Vel come tu wiggly neurosis. about this episode yeah Listen we're back after a, hi- a, a short little, hiatus a little break i was out of town mm-hmm. on business no fun just business yeah it sucks a little bit of fun but um yeah this week we're going to be reviewing the movie finding dory mm-hmm. the newest pixar release mm-hmm. fresh off their flop uh what was the last the one? good dinosaur it wasn't yeah. like a massive flop no. but yeah Un- uncharacteristic because mm-hmm. they've had pretty consistent success i haven't seen that yet i haven't either now i kind of want to watch it yeah anyways yeah, and then our album of the week is um, Cloud Nothing's Attack on Memory. That's the one. Which is an interesting title. Mm-hmm. But, again, two fun stuff in our beer of the week. This week is Lunatic, the Imperial Stout from Hinterland. Indeed. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, with the whole memory thing, and obviously Finding Dory fits in, because if you've seen Finding Nemo, uh, or at least are aware of it, Dory obviously has short-term memory loss. Uh, and this beer is Lunatic Imperial Stout, like, like you just said, Nate. And... Um, kind of felt that i thought there was a couple different beers that could have fit this theme but uh lunatic you know makes sense maybe somebody who's a little bit off out of their mind a little bit maybe a little crazy and i think dory in, in the movie especially has those characteristics yeah no it fits and it's dark yeah well it's an imperial stout it'd be kind of weird if it was an imperial stout and it was like blonde <laughs> well i've had white stouts before yeah, those are. That's true. That looks just like a like a like a wheat beer or an IPA or something. Wow. But uh, yeah, you know, and with the, whenever something's labeled as imperial, that basically and like s- simply means double everything, where it's double the amount of ingredients. <laughs> yep. Usually not the best idea to drink. Have that be like your first type of a certain type of beer. No. Because it's usually going to be really high in alcohol. This one's nine percent, which is pretty. It's up there, not not yeah. the peak of the mountain or anything, but mm-hmm. and also the flavors are like. I found to be usually uber intense or mm-hmm. really emphasizing one thing or and I think with a lot of imperials too I like to drink them um maybe not as cold right out of the refrigerator because I feel like um some of the imperials kind of come to life when they're a little bit more not lukewarm or anything but closer to room temperature so I agree. I, well I think one fun way to kind of test that out is to take one right out of the fridge pour it into your glass and like slowly drink it over the course of an hour so you can kind of see how it changes as it gets warmer yeah but uh kind of like a lot of uh belgian beers they're mm-hmm. served warm yeah I, a lot of I, temperature yeah, ipas too 
are generally acceptable unless you're drinking like an all day or obsession ipa those should probably be pretty cold yeah i would think so otherwise mm-hmm. i'd taste a little funky mm-hmm. this is really good though very creamy very smooth yes i'm a- the... i'm abstaining abstaining i was abstaining last week wasn't i yeah you were um, it but uh, I, it comes in a four pack and it's a, it's not too expensive, but I, I am going to a uh, wedding this weekend and will be with my family. So I thought I'd save them. Save them for the wedding. No, this is a good, this is a good, very good Imperial stout. I like it a lot. Cool. Smooth. It's really smooth. No, Those... I can see there's hardly, like, as is not super surprising with stouts is there's not a whole lot of head on it. Yep. I mean, it's, it looks like a root beer almost. Yeah. And it, it, but it's so, it's just so black. Yep. But it's good. Like it. Hinterland, awesome. Green Bay. They make solid beers across the board, I think, they Hinterland. Do. And that's a cool place to go to. They you ex- can get that state statewide in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're distributed outside of Wisconsin. Maybe some of them because they have like their white cap, which is sort of their mass produce, like not mass produce, but like they're kind of their flagship. That and uh thought there was another one. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, if you're in Wisconsin, you can find Hinterland pretty, pretty much, much yeah. pretty much anywhere that sells, you know, a decent variety of craft beers yeah and i was actually um i was just in texas and i went and not to i'm not trying to dump on texas they just have kind of a different view on beers um but they had i went to the quintessential place you had to go is a place called heb central market and everyone said like oh it's an amazing selection of beer you're going to be blown away and it it what it wasn't so much um craft beers there's a lot a huge selection of german beers oh okay lots of imports lots of imports but their craft beer section was like two like big coolers which is still pretty impressive and the yeah. and it was but yeah i had tried well, a couple local i don't think i deals. mean and and texas isn't is is a state where there's a decent amount of craft beer but it's not like you know wisconsin michigan minnesota or then out west obviously like Oregon and uh, California, which are sort of the most in terms of breweries. I'm, I'm not sure you get as much of that down yeah. south, at least in, in Texas, at least certain parts of Texas. I'm sure Austin has a pretty solid scene, right, right, I would right. think. Yeah. And I noticed a lot of that because I obviously drink a lot of IPAs. The IPAs were kind of sweet down there, mm-hmm. which kind of was a unique uh, a unique flavor. Did you get to try some local stuff? Yeah, yeah. I tried um, – Hard Day's Night by, I can't remember the name of the brewery. That was a really good one. Cool. Um, Hoppa, I always mess it up. Hoppadillo is like... they like Armadillo? Descri- yeah, they described it as the Budweiser IPA of Texas. Like, it's like really common. Okay. Um, a couple places, but I, I, I liked that too. And then cool. I tried one from uh, 512 Brewery, which is in Austin. It's one of the bigger ones I there. I think I've so. had some of their beer... Bo- I think I've had yeah. their wheat beer before. Yeah. And they they they're distributed a little bit loosely up in the Midwest. Okay, you said the prices were were a lot cheaper there. A though. lot cheaper, yeah. like maybe four or five bucks cheaper for a craft six pack. Four or five bucks. I would imagine that. I don't think their taxes are much crazier than Wisconsin is, but I would think that more is distributed to Texas just because there's simply way more people, and I would yeah. imagine that would drive the prices down if you're selling bigger volumes. Supply, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and it was. I mean, overall, it was a. Uh, it was a pretty good time. One thing that was really weird down there, though, is they, like, have tastings in grocery stores. And it's like, you know, like, remember when we went to the uh, Bacon Beer and Cheese Fest? Mm-hmm. It's like that size, and they fill it up for you. Okay. Well, because at the liquor stores here, they'll do it, but they'll give you, like, a half a shot's worth. Yeah. And here, it was, like, a whole pint. It was like, they were like, go on, go and enjoy it. I was like, this would never work by where we're from because we have, like... Drunk people. Drunk people all yeah. over the place. But mm-hmm. that's a good... <laughs> But onto our definition of the word memory, it's the faculty by which 
the mind stores and remembers information and also something remembered from the past, a recollection. Nice. What does it mean to you, Ethan? Okay, I kind of had fun with this one, right? Because um, in general, yeah, it's the, the, the mechanism of memories, how we recall things that's happened to us in the past. Uh, one thing that ever, there's a couple of movies that I've seen over the last couple of years that have sort of made me think about the concept of memory a little bit differently. One of them more recently is Boyhood, which has a scene at the end where the lead character talks about how our life is is mainly constant moments. And I think our memories, we recall the moments, not so much the long periods of, because we spend how many hours bored at work or, or something and, and a lot of our time is mundane but we don't necessarily recall that right so it's always a, a moments but another thing that i always think of with memory and i actually got this when i saw the, the terrence malick movie the tree of life um if you've seen that movie you either love it or hate it i'm sure but uh you're our friend then right it's a movie i i, I like a lot and uh one thing that i kind of thought about that it was i think a lot of that movie is sean penn's character who at the beginning of the film is much older and the second half of the movie is sort of about his childhood and the way Terrence Malick makes his movies, it's sort of dreamlike. There's lots of low angles. It's very sort of disjointed. And I was, I, I have the working theory and I could be totally wrong, but that that movie is primarily seen from Sean Penn's perspective of him remembering his own past, which is sort of why it's so fragmented and kind of dreamlike because you don't remember large moments in your life, especially from your childhood exactly and i think human beings have the capability of remembering things differently than it happened which which changes how we view things and how those memories affect who we are but the, the, i don't know that's why i kind of liked this theme because i think it's kind of a interesting thing to think about how you remember your own life right and it's kind of trippy too i mean for me memory i kind of looked at it in two ways looked at it like a memory is like a thing uh, which is something you like cherish, and then also you personally your memory. I mean, my <clears throat> my memory sucks. I'll be I'll be honest. I, I have to like write everything down. Me too. So I have like a, at my desk and at a here and at my job, but there's like tons of post its everywhere, and somehow I make sense of it. But um, it's also it's it's something you kind of cherish, and I kind of went the same route as you. It's kind of something you can bend. Um, I was actually listening to another podcast, Men and Blazers, and they were uh, interviewing an English author. And he had this like really because he was like a lifelong ping pong player, like a competitive ping pong player. And he had this like distinct memory of losing to this like high school rival team. Uh And he was like it like haunted him for years. And that's how he remembered it was losing. And he actually ran into a guy who played on his team. It turned out they had won the match. Weird. And he's like, that's when I realized like your mind can take you on these journeys. I think that's kind of what memory is. It's. It's kind of, uh, you know, this very strange thing. And I also kind of linked it to dreams, too, because mm-hmm. you you dream supposedly every single night, but you only remember like 20% of your dreams or something like There's some mm-hmm. percentage number. Um, and you, I thought that was kind of trippy, too. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I like that. But, uh, yeah, with with memories, you just, yeah. it's I think you can kind of take it to another extreme, too, where it's been proven that people go who go through extreme traumas will delete memories or completely alter memories to sort of shelter their own mental well-being uh and i think that's kind of fascinating yeah as well yeah and it kind of we'll get into the movie but also then like little cues i guess i just thought of that like certain things like um just recently had when i was when i was in madison second time to last not when we were about done Mm -hmm. but i like found something and it just like flooded 
all of a sudden I remembered all these things. Yeah. And isn't and that weird? That's a very strange thing. So I delivered pizzas for like two and a half years. And I, there was one memory I have of, I went to a, it was real late at night and this house ordered pizza or whatever. So I went there and I remember they opened, I knocked on the door, they opened the front door and the smell from the house, it like, it just started all these memories of when my grandma used to live in, in the town where I grew up in and she had moved away and everything long since. But um, for some reason that smell, I must have, she, her house must have smelled the same because all of a sudden I had all these like memories just coming up out of nowhere and I, I got kind of like lightheaded and I was like, holy crap, it was really powerful. Yeah. And there's actually a, it's actually a pretty good read. Uh, Marcel Proust wrote a, a piece, I think it's called like Madeleines or something like that. It's it's a, all in, it was all in French for a while and they translated it, but okay. it's all about that, how he was at a cafe and, and somebody accidentally gave him this cookie and remi- it just smelling it and, it and eating it. It was laced with drugs. It was, just, it, was, <laughs> it was just totally soaked in LSD and he was just <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> No, yeah. uh, that's interesting. It's we could probably do a whole podcast just about nothing but memory because yeah. it's so it's such an integral thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it defines success in some cases. Remembering things, sure. It's, and then, of course, at the end of life, if you can't remember things, you know, if you have Alzheimer's, memories, it's a precious thing. Well, what's the saying when when a very elderly person passes away? A saying is that a library burns down. That's true. Because that's a whole lifetime of memories that that one person had access to and uh they're gone yeah bringing it down (laughs) (laughs) and this was weekly neurosis we're gonna go jump off a cliff when you started talking though about uh tree of life there i realized i was bobbing my head and i had like a yeah bro moment (laughs) i just bought his uh, terrence malick's newest movie night of cups on blu-ray oh i got it and the new world is getting a a new criterion release in the next couple weeks i'll be i'm gonna get that at costco for sure because they sell the new releases. It's like their thing. Yeah, see, April, my wife told me, they don't sell Criterion, but I've heard from everybody else that they do. They were right there. I actually had, it was like movies I didn't know. I can't remember which they were. And I was like, oh, I could buy these. And they were like nineteen ninety nine, And I was like, I could buy this these. This one will be more than that even at Costco, just because it's like an ultra. It's got like three different cuts of the movie. And it's like yeah. a, yeah. The movie's awesome. I want to get The New World, Inside Lou and Davis, I think, on Criterion as well. So I'm saving my pennies. I can. Month. I'll be probably at Costco this weekend. I can see if it's this there. Is, this is a top conversation for a different yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> this is a non-air conversation. <laughs> no, but um, the only really high-priority news item, and apparently you may already know, the Game of Thrones finale. Yep. It was, all, it was all spoiled for me within seconds of the episode's ending and by I, some a-hole f- people. Not I won't say friends. A-hole people I'm acquaintances with on Facebook. And I have a, a massive apology I actually tweeted as I was watching it. That's total spoiler. Well, I and didn't I felt, see I that. I felt bad when I hit send. I didn't see that. I don't comb I Twitter like, over <laughs> finally. And I've, I've, no, there's no way. I, it wasn't you. I'm not pointing All fingers. Right. I was hoping it was No, there me. was one person in particular who posted a meme that implied that, like, this person and that person and this person died in, like, a single image. And I was like, oh, great. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> but they, yeah, there's totally, I've never seen a, a, f- a season finale of theirs gets such mixed and i'm not talking like mixed like i was gonna say mixed some people i heard think i heard good. it was like the best from some everybody. people are either people are saying it's the best i'm in that camp and then there's other people that are like this this sucked people like, because for, for, i was even looking on imdb the last two episodes have a perfect 10 rating from fans and that's, that's only what I'd give it's up. only the fourth 
episode in any TV show history to get a perfect 10. Another one, it was those two episodes. One of them is a Breaking Bad episode. And then I want to say another one. The third one is also a Game of Thrones episode. Yeah, because they, they, in terms of, because to me, if you're doing a season finale, and correct me if I'm wrong. And I haven't seen it, so we can't talk about it. And we, and we won't, but we'll talk more. This is more theoretical. Okay. But if you're in a series and you know there's another season coming up, the season finale should create as much energy as humanly possible towards the next season. Yeah. In most cases. Sure. And I think that this this I've never seen a season finale create more energy. Like I'm I'm totally ready to watch season seven. I, I, if you I could get a binge, long wait, my friend. Yeah, year and a half probably. Well, and we'll, I'll talk more about Game of Thrones later during Ooh. perhaps the obsessions part of the show. But uh, you know. <laughs> All right. So cool. And when we come back, we will do our movie of the week. Uh, which you'll hear the trailer for. Yes. The audio from the trailer. I think that's cool. It's going to hopefully be better. The I should say better. The Warcraft one was kind of funny. I thought I picked an okay Cause part. Because <laughs> you say like, oh, it's going to be a lot of grunting and groaning. And it was just like, we will go to war. We will go to war. <laughs> this is this will be better. This Maybe be with better. some like weird like bouncy sounds or something. Yeah. Some Pixar sounds. <laughs> Fish sounds. All right. When we come back, movie of the week in the break, the trailer. We'll be right back. Hello? Did you hear that? What was that? Your what? Stan, I just, I heard someone say hello. Yeah, there's a lot of fish here. Anybody, literally anybody could have just said hello. hello. There. Where am I looking? There. Oh. Hi, I'm Dory. Yeah, well, where are your parents? Hi, I've lost my family. Where did you see them last? I forgot. I was looking for something and I, okay, totally get it, date night. I suffer from short-term memory loss. It runs in my family. At least I think it does. Where are they? Dory, there you are! Guys. Look out! Ah. Oh, look at this. Our friend got taken into whatever this place is. It's a fish hospital. I feel fantastic! Dude. Name's Hank. I have to find my family. That's a hard one, kid. Well, I guess you're stuck here. You're not helping, Dale. I lost my family. That is so sad. You weren't there. Not a great swimmer. Our friend is in there, lost, alone. Bailey, you've got to use your echolocation. Ooh, ooh I feel stupid. Poor baby. Let me get that for you. And this is Movie of the Week. You ready, buddy? Yep. All right, so this week in on the memory episode, we did Finding Dory. Uh, the plot is a friendly but forgetful blue tang fish begins a search for her long lost parents and everyone learns a few things about the real meaning of family along the way. How precious. Mm. Uh, the cast starring the voices of, because this is an animated feature, uh, Ellen DeGeneres, Albert Brooks, Hayden Rollins, Ed O'Neill, Caitlin Olson, Ty Burrell, Diane Keaton, and Eugene Levy. And Sigourney Weaver. And Sigourney Weaver. And wasn't Idris Elba? Yeah, he was one he of was the sea lions. Too. Throw him in there. He's awesome. <laughs> shout uh, out Idris Elba. Shout out Idris Elba. Dark, hashtag Dark Towers. Yeah. Um, the Crew, it's directed by Andrew Stanton, produced by Lindsay Collins, screenplay by Andrew Stanton and Victoria Strauss, music by Thomas Newman, and cinematography by Jeremy Lansky. Cinematography. And the film locale was a studio. Let's just be... How cinematography went on? I don't know. I think it's sort of. How do, what? Do, I, I mean, you got to frame it, yeah. right? Because I'm sure since it's a 3D movie, I'm sure they create the 3D environments and then have to navigate. Yeah. Sort of like how they made Avatar. 
I'm sure it's way more complex. Like we're sitting, I, I'm, I'm not sitting here thinking like, well, it's an animated film, but yeah. you no, I knew, to I, lay stuff out. I, and I know you didn't mean it that way. They work really like hard. Produce, Cause you have to produce like depth and oh, all yeah. that stuff. I have no idea. Who all, knows? All kinds of junk. We could, we'll reach out to Jeremy Lasky. I'm going to see yeah, if we'll I just, can find him. I'll just tweet Pixar. Hashtag how, Hashtag. how did you make this? <laughs> Please tell us. <laughs> But what are your thoughts about this film? Ethan? Okay, well, you know, I'm a big fan of Finding Nemo. I, I mean, I, I, I don't remember what year it came out. I want to say like 2004, 2005, or something like it was that. It's 13 years ago. 13 so years ago. 2003. So there you go. So I was 13 when that movie came out, and I remember seeing it, and you know, loving it. And it was sort of an instant classic, and it's remained a classic. It's one of my favorites. It's one of my wife's favorites. So we were pumped to see this, and uh, I liked it. I liked it a whole lot i would say it's not as good as the original but i wasn't really expecting it to be um i thought it was i mean just a lot of fun the whole way through it's really funny it's actually i think one of pixar's kind of funnier and more clever movies which is which is saying something and as i expected especially it being a sequel to finding nemo i expected it to be gorgeous and colorful and it it absolutely was and uh while i think it was almost insanely paced like it really kind of just starts and goes and actually for the first 10 minutes or so i was actually finding myself having to adjust to it <laughs> yeah i'm like oh are they going to ease us into this and no is the answer so that was kind of a surprise but uh yeah it's it was i thought it was a lot of fun yeah same i was in the same boat i think you have to kind of look at too this film faced like a major challenge in terms of because finding nemo was a cult classic it was a major block but it had a lot of different yeah. elements going for it uh, but I, I actually give this this film a lot of credit for kind of creating its own story, creating mm-hmm. its own kind of thing. But yeah, I, I right with you. I think the the humor was what kind of jumped at me. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they kind of where they kind of threw their chips on the table. Right. Um, but yeah, very cleverly funny in a lot of different spots and a lot of repeat humor where mm-hmm. it's like repeated over and over and over and over again, and it works every time because of the timing. Right, and I think uh, some of that is carried over from the original. And one thing I was sort of surprised with with this movie was ho- sort of how much better this movie is if you've seen the original. Because, oops, email. Um, but I'm sure uh, that there was kids in the theater who were probably not even born yet when the first one came out. But I'm sure they've seen it because the first one is, like I said, sort of an instant classic. Um, I was kind of surprised with how much was necessary to understand like not like, you could see this without having seen the first one absolutely but this movie like i said this movie just starts so quickly and it even has an, an event in the movie that directly ties in with the first one and certainly all the characters and all that stuff but i was really surprised with it so like i said the first 10 minutes of this i was like it's man fever pitch man yeah. it just really really goes and i think knowing the whole journey man and this sounds kind of weird talking about like animated talking fish but like no, like knowing the whole journey that Nemo and his father Marlin uh, went through is it makes this movie even better. And what I like about this is, well, yeah, it does have a lot of the same story elements, and then they have to go across the ocean, and there's all these different wacky creatures they run into, and this that. Uh, and it didn't feel like it was just doing the same stuff over and over again because there's a lot of new characters that are hilarious and unique. And uh, I just thought, in general, I, it was it was a nice surprise seeing that they could pull off a sequel. Of all the Pixar sequels I've seen, I don't think this is up there with, like, Toy Story 3. But it definitely is, is I mean, it's not like Cars 2, which I don't care for at all. 
uh, and I think it was better than Monsters University as well, which was more of a prequel, I guess. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I thought it was really fun and creative. Yeah. And I think too, for me, um, the, the creativity, again, it being so it's, and it's tough to explain because it, it, it very much ties in to Nemo. Like you said, there's a lot of links to it, but they do a lot of their own stuff. And there's certain characters that they decided obviously not to repeat in this story. And I, it, it, I think it aided it and made it better because um, I think Ed O'Neill's voiced character mm-hmm. was really good. Like he yeah. he uh, contributed. He came in probably what like halfway through the film and kind of contributed. Mm-hmm. But he was Hank. Hank, I believe so. Hank it's, is one of my favorite. So characters. hard. To, with... Well, and that's the thing because there were a couple of characters who played a decently big role in the first movie that show up in this, but it's 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 not they're not relied on outside of the main like three or four characters. There's really nobody here who is you know like you see the the turtles and the and the, the uh, stingray at the beginning but instead of just relying on them going oh remember how funny they were here they mm-hmm. are again they sort of get that out of the way and introduce new characters that are wacky and hilarious yeah i love the sea lions were hilarious they were hilarious the bird becky or becca or whatever yeah <laughs> was, was absolutely <laughs> hilarious and ridiculous yeah but another thing that surprised me with this was how i think it's like in terms of animated and over the top because these movies can get out of control this one was way way more over the top than the first one was yeah and i think some people i had heard said they didn't like that as much because i think is over the top as it gets in the first movie it's stuff like all the fish swimming when they're caught in the net and they you know escape the net but in this there's like an octopus driving a car down the road while Dory's in like a cup full of water. Yeah, <laughs> and mean, it's it's just abs- absurd. It's but yeah. it's but it, it was it's clever and it's funny enough that if you're sitting there going, oh well, this isn't realistic, you're not gonna have any fun because let's be real here, these yeah. are like talking fish. Well, and, and they kind of everything is you know even though it does move very quickly, I thought it was extremely easy to follow. It kind of has to be because it's a kids movie, right? Yeah. And but it, they still make everything click together. So when you get to those super ridiculous moments, that if you just saw that scene and that scene alone you'd be like this is absurd Mm -hmm. like this makes no sense but you kind of have this inkling and you kind of understand that you know character a can do these extraordinary things and Mm -hmm. it makes sense to you which is that's that's tough to do and and they only did this in what it hour and 30 minutes 40 minutes or something that's a tight turnaround oh for sure and I, i thought another thing it did cool with especially the dory character who is you know she's obviously one of the main characters in finding nemo but she is the main character in this movie, and uh, I don't know. I thought there there had the potential there for her to maybe be a little irritating because her character is meant to be irritating, but they do a really clever thing, and especially the beginning, they establish that her short-term memory loss, it's, it's actually kind of sad, and it actually has made her life really difficult, and they really drive that home. So while, yeah, it's funny in parts and there's jokes that are tied with it, you do realize, wow, this this fish's life has been kind of crummy because of it and uh, instead of it just being a joke you sympathize it and i think next time i watch finding nemo i'll, I'll watch it in a with a, in a with a different a different light because yeah. i think it does a really good thing the best thing a sequel can do is make the first movie even better and i think this one does that yeah but the, again really good and i was I, my biggest surprise was how funny it was yeah because like, i was going into it thinking like oh it's going to be kind of kid humor with the occasional adult reference but I think the, and even like the Sigourney Weaver, not spoiling anything by saying that, it's so random. Like, yeah. It makes sense. But it's, it's clever. It's funny. It's like, you're kind of like, what? And then it's just hilarious at yeah. the end. 
But I do have a couple negative things. Because like I said, I like this a lot, but I didn't like it as much as the first one. And right. I think that whole the whole pacing thing, while it's great that it's never it's certainly never boring, I still think the fact that it jumps right in, there was really no leading up to anything. And while that isn't the biggest deal, I felt myself the first 10 minutes trying to get into it. And I think by the time they sort of really leave on their journey is when I was like, okay, I'm, I'm on board for this. But I almost think it was a little too fast-paced in parts. And then uh, it didn't quite have the emotional punch, I think, some other Pixar movies had. But again, that's me comparing they, it to something else. They miss, I agree with you, I think in a couple different occasions, they missed the opportunity to be like emotional. Mm-hmm. And it there were the track work was there. Maybe it got edited out. We don't know. But I thought they missed the boat on a few different mm-hmm. points throughout the film where they really could have made it like a oh moment or well because the very there's a couple moments in the beginning that I was like okay this is gonna be like a there's gonna be something that happens at the end of this that's just gonna be a wallop and the whole audience is gonna be in tears that never happens never happens it's not a big deal but I definitely because I do think the first movie has a couple of really big emotional punches and I just think in general. This movie's maybe a little bit lighter than the first one. It's a little bit more easygoing. Yeah. So that's sort of why that happens. Yeah. And I don't think, at the end of the day, I think, like, Finding Nemo was so imaginative and so creative. I don't think they quite, because when you think about that, when a film kind of is is that imaginative and that unique, you kind of have to follow along that plane. Mm -hmm. And they just didn't quite get there with this one. You know, it was just, just missed the boat on that in that regard. Oh, missed the boat. <laughs> fish, fish, oceans. <laughs> yep. But no, I, I again, I would recommend a kid if you have children. Wonderful movie to see with your children. Oh yeah. Um, adults will get a kick out of this too. Mm-hmm. Because it's funny. It's, it's yeah, for yeah. sure. Sea lions. That was funny. That was hilarious. I think though, there's three sea lions. One of them's name is Jerry. And every time he was on, I was dying laughing because yeah. he has this stupid look on his face and he's holding like a plastic pail in his mouth. It's the stupidest thing. It's the dumbest thing. The That's same... like what Pixar does, though. They yeah. do these like. Oh, and the seagulls returned things. briefly at the end. The yeah. whole movie, I was crossing my fingers, hoping the mine, mine. <laughs> they were there. They were there. Little inkling. <laughs> what would you rate this, though? One to ten. I give it an eight out of ten. Uh everything we said it's it's great it's it's gorgeous it's funny but yeah it's it's a step back from the original and i do think it has it's too fast paced and it's just not quite as uh hefty maybe not as memorable either so eight out of ten i'm gonna do an 8.4 yeah 0.6 reduction 0.6 reduction no but (laughs) yeah just just not didn't push all the buttons the the first one did and i hate to fault the movie for that but it's a sequel um, and I, I agree with you. Fast paced, missed some emotional spots that could have made it. Could have made it a pretty, I think, a pretty prime movie. Mm-hmm. Like compared to one of their more recent movies, Inside Out, which is, if there's any Pixar movie that will punch you straight in the feelings, it's it's that one or that one. or Toy Story three. Toy even. Story three is. I think Toy Story three was even yeah, a yeah. little more emotional. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's just it's more. It's I I think of all the pixar movie it's like the pixar sequels to compare it to because there's quite a few now i think this is more like monsters university in that it's in a way it's sort of more over the top and ridiculous but it's lighter it's sort of there's less i guess i don't want to say there's less at stake for the characters because that's not necessarily true it just never felt like there was any huge moment or anything i don't know it was, yeah it was good though it was good i had fun i saw it in 3d 
Did was you? it good in 3D? No, I saw it in regular D. Yeah, well, our seats weren't the best, though, because we were saying before before we were recording, um, the, I mean, the tickets for this, I mean, this movie is a, like a box office phenomenon right now. So tickets were just flying off the shelf if they keep tickets on, on a shelf. <laughs> but uh, the only seats that were left for the 3D showing were like in the front row way off to the right. So, oh, yeah. So, I mean, the 3D was good, but it, it, if, whoa, earthquake, no, but... uh. If we were sitting more in the center, because like when I watched like, <laughs> oh my god, when I watch 3D movies at home, I like to you know sit straight up on the TV. Or usually, if I if I'm watching something in 3D in theaters too, I like to sit in the center of the screen because I think that sort of centers things a little bit better. But no, the 3D was good. And with a movie like this where everything's underwater, the 3D is kind of adds like an extra surreal element to it, with all the little like floating particles and weird fish. Like that. spoil, yeah, that's what I thought too is that because you when you see the ocean there's always a lot of like matter mm-hmm. in it and that you can kind of bring that through yep so awesome on to our high priority news items um pretty a pretty big news story obviously Marvel the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, struck a deal with Sony that's why Spider-Man was in the Avengers and now um, homecoming may become a Fox production uh, for the the how so? It's a Disney. It's a Marvel movie. And yeah, but they're gonna. They apparently are gonna align with Fox to hmm. produce it. Okay. Which they didn't, and that's the thing is people are like, well, they aligned with Sony. Well, Sony agreed to allow Spider-Man to be in the films, and I, I don't know. I don't think it'll affect the. I don't think it will because I'm sure all. for the most part, Ken Feige at Marvel will be the one who gets the final say over everything. Yeah. Well, that's how it turned out with. I mean, with the last X Men mm-hmm. Apocalypse. Well, he, that's a that's or Fox no, though. Oh my gosh! Civil War. Total, Civil War. Yeah, yeah, right. They everything was on their say. Well, that's because everybody who's dealt with Spider Man, even and I and I've enjoyed all the Spider Man movies outside of this, but uh, I think it's not it's not difficult to see why it should be brought into to a kind of unified series like this. But also with uh, Spider Man Homecoming, there's been like a ton of casting announcements, like Danny. Uh, Donald Glover, Danny Glover, Donald Glover is going to be in it. So is Hannibal Burris, I, I guess. I'm not sure what roles or what capacity, but I thought it was kind of funny that Donald Glover is going to be in it because for a while before the Amazing Spider-Man and the Amazing Spider-Man 2 were made with Andrew Garfield, there was a campaign to have Donald Glover play Spider-Man because in the comic books, there's a, it's not Peter, what's his name? Peter parker peter parker yeah there's like in a in the comics i'm not sure exactly how but there's a, 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 a i think his name is something more or less i don't know but he's uh but but people thought donald glover was gonna play spider-man at one point so he's in this so i guess that's sort of a nod to that that wish he's certainly not gonna be playing spider-man because tom holland or whoever is playing him in civil war is but i mean i'm i'm pumped for it i yeah. thought spider-man was one of the highlights of the civil war yeah and i think that if anything garnered more interest to civil war oh yeah i mean that's if you look at just simply how the the spider-man films have done they put up really impressive numbers right um so i don't certainly don't think it hurts um the other one last last episode destruction we kind of touched on it briefly about the um sequel to warcraft or warcraft 2 or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be called um but from the sound of it um Rolling Stone interviewed the director and a few other folks Duncan that are Jones. Duncan Jones and a few other folks and sounds like the second one's a go but well in, it's far from greenlit yeah but, but it's done it's the number one video game movie of all time yeah just because of the numbers overseas because it's been a huge flop here yeah but yeah Duncan Jones has specifically said 
I want to do the next two Warcraft movies. He yeah. wants to do them. And I think, I mean, when you look at the numbers it's done, like, in China, yeah. like, in all the records it's broken in China, mm-hmm. I mean, it would only make sense. It's made almost $500 million worldwide, which on its budget, I think that's making twice back how much uh, it cost. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think studios have made bigger gambles than that, and I can actually... I would even guess that if a Warcraft 2 was made, I think it would perform better in the U.S. even, because I think Warcraft is the type of movie that's going to be discovered by more people down the road, you know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we saw it, we liked it, we didn't know anything about Warcraft, and it was a bomb. But I think when the director's cut comes out, there's going to be more buzz about it. And I think it's going to gather more of a following. So I would imagine Warcraft 2 wouldn't be coming out for three or four years yet. Yeah. And my thought was exactly the same as yours. I thought that it, because people will gain a familiarity with it, mm-hmm. even if it's by just simply association. But I think it'll do a lot better. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. So I, I really hope it does get a sequel because I liked it. The more yeah. I think about it, the more I like it even. Yeah. I mean, just everything i i'm again going into it not knowing absolutely a single fact about warcraft it, it's still still related to me for sure yeah but um and the last thing is pretty small but the batman versus superman comic book comic this book is, all this. comic books nowadays um it was a obviously a little bit of a flop but they did sort it of a flop. Well, it was it made a, almost a billion dollars worldwide yeah critic a critical response yeah. flop yeah but um, there, obviously, that leads into the Justice League. The Justice League is in yes. production, and the spinoff uh, just released a synopsis mm-hmm. and a logo, and obviously, the buzz around that's immense. Yes, because that's a big deal. And uh, I know the Batman vs Superman Ultimate Cut was just released. Um, you can buy digitally, and I believe July nineteenth is when it comes out on Blu-ray. Uh, and everything I've heard about the Ultimate Cut, which is thirty minutes longer. Suggests that it's a, a significantly better film mm-hmm. than the theatrical cut, which, you know, we, we, we talked about. I wasn't crazy about it. You liked it a little bit more than me. So I am actually going to hopefully be watching the ultimate cut this weekend if I can find time. And then I can give you my thoughts on that. Yeah. We'll chat about that. But 30 minutes can, I mean, that can make or break a movie. Well, yeah. yeah and, 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 you know, Zack Snyder, he, he's done extended cuts before. He did with, um, well, Sucker Punch, which was terrible either way. But uh, he did... Uh, Watchmen, which I loved the theatrical cut, but the ultimate cut is, it's an incredible movie, I think. So I think if he, even if he can increase the quality of Batman versus Superman by just a little, I, I'll, I'll like it more. Yeah. But I'm itching to watch it again just because so much has been said about it. And I've, I saw it literally opening night. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. J- Justice League. Justice League, bro. And, and Zack Snyder's directing it too yeah i mean they and they i I mean well it wasn't a flop and i I mean critics just destroyed it Mm -hmm. you you much you were lukewarm to it yeah i didn't hate it i thought it was just all right yeah i thought i mean i thought it was an okay film yeah i just feel like it was uh, like we could you know just go back and listen to our batman vs superman episode and hear our thoughts on it but um i uh yeah i was I, i really felt like there was a lot of not incoherent but just sort of babbling build up to just incredible fight scenes uh, i loved the handling of batman i just f- thought lex luther and his plan and all that stuff was handled poorly it, it, i just felt like it was a lot of lead up and i guess this extended cut makes it a little bit more coherent 
It adds a lot more to Lex Luthor's uh, plot and why he's doing everything he's doing, which was really my main issue with it. So I, I'm really excited to see it because a lot of the things I didn't like apparently are addressed in this longer cut, yeah. which also makes me think that just like Warcraft, if these extended cuts of these movies are so much better, the only reason that, being, yeah. yeah, the only reason they're cutting them down is because they can't play the movie as many times, so they're going to make less money, which I think is terrible that that's the concern when if you're releasing a better movie, word of look at Lord of the Rings Return of the King, the theatrical cut of that movie was like three and a half hours long and it made over a billion dollars. Yeah. If the movie's good enough, people are going to go. And I think if Batman versus Superman would have been even like one or two notches better than it was, it would have made more money. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. while there's certainly people who love the movie, you can't take that away from them. I do think in general, the movie didn't quite live up to the expectations people had for it. Yeah. And yeah, we've, I mean, we've talked about it too, in terms of the inner, everyone's trying to talk right now about like the international versus the U S mm-hmm. markets. And I think the U S I mean, it, we're not in terms of population, we're not the biggest, but in terms of the number of theaters and the attendance you can garner from those theaters, this right. is, this is the the golden land for now. Well, right. And that we have just, it's so ingrained in our everyday culture and movies and film and art and all that stuff is, I think it's just. It's just something I think we 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 have easier access to because because of because of our freedom. Freedom, <laughs> it ain't free. No, it's just you know yeah, movies are a big part of of our culture here, and yeah, definitely. There's more theaters. There's probably more nicer theaters. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, then again, we're seeing something like Warcraft, which isn't even in the top ten domestically anymore. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, doing just gangbusters overseas. Um, yeah, it broke like every. Just about every Chinese record in, in China. In China, it's which amazing, is insane. It's like the Star Wars. What Star Wars did over here? Yeah, Star, and Star Wars d- did poop over in China. Yeah, they don't care, give a shit about no freaking droids and <laughs> all that lame. You want to see all that nerd cinemographic shit. orcs they destroying the world? Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Freedom. So. <laughs> <laughs> Onto our weekly segment by the numbers where we talk about the top five grossing movies in these United States of America, Freedom Land. You can start. And the occasional flops that do occur in modern <laughs> cinema, I will start. Is that like your tagline for That's this? That's my tagline. I like Get it. Get taglines. I didn't mean to cut it off. Yeah, Ethan. Sorry, man. No, it's all good. So number five is the brand new film, The Free State of Jones with Matthew McConaughey. Uh, from STX, I don't even know what that is. Um, with a which grossed uh, seven point seven seven two million dollars in its very first week, on a budget of fifty million dollars. Yeah, I kind of missed the ball. Might not make. Didn't that get bad. good reviews either. I I think I heard a lot of people. I do want to see it though. I I'm interested in seeing this, but I've heard it's sort of. It feels like a mini series made for, like the History Channel, cut down to a two and a half hour long movie. Yeah. Because apparently, like the acting and all that stuff is great. It's just it just jumps around like you couldn't believe. I don't know. I I do want to see it, but it's definitely not. It's a bomb not for sure. Doing well, yeah. A show. Okay, so then number four is another new release, The Shallows, that which made sixteen point seven million on its first week, which doesn't seem like a whole lot. But then you look at its budget, which is seventeen million. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. pretty great for again a horror movie with Blake Lively. Black Lively and a shark in a bikini. In a bikini, hmm. I my the budget's probably 
pretty low because from the look of it, they probably didn't have too many filming locations. I have heard it's really good, though. Yeah. I heard it's super intense and fun, and uh, that's another one. There's like 18 movies in the theater right now I want to see, and this is yeah. one of them. It's one of those times. So, I mean, not number one, but I never, th- I don't, I do not think the studio ever intended it to be a number one movie. No. Low budget. They got in there. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll dr- maybe drop out of the top five right away, but it'll make over its $17 million budget. Yeah definitely they marketed it the right way yeah um number three um was the number two film last week central intelligence from warner brothers which grossed a total of 18.37 million to bring its total gross to 69.3 million on a 50 million dollar budget made back their money Mm -hmm. uh dwayne johnson the rock the rock the rock and kevin kevin Hart. hart they make money Right. That's what they do. I want to see this too. Actually, my wife saw this and she said it was pretty funny. Like oh. entirely d- d- fine. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I don't want to say she she loved it or anything, but she was entertained by it. That's the purpose. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I go to the theaters. Exactly. Right. So number two, this Uh-oh. is a, a the, the big release of the week. Uh, while it made a decent amount of money this weekend, uh, I think maybe the future of this franchise is in trouble. And that is Independence Day Resurgence. So the sequel to the classic Independence Day made forty-one point six million on its opening weekend on a budget of one hundred and sixty-five million. So major, big-time budget. I wouldn't say it's a major, ma- major, major flop, but it's gotten terrible reviews. It's getting even terrible word of mouth. I've really heard nobody say they loved it. A couple people I know said it was fun, and that's and I do want. Uh, this is another one I want to see, but uh, definitely not. Doing the numbers. Do I expected this to like when I first uh-huh. heard about it. I was like, "That's gonna, that's gonna do like not Huge. Star Wars numbers, but that's gonna do big, for Boku real bucks." Numbers. When I f- yeah, when I first heard about this movie too, I was in the same boat. I was like, "That is gonna be just a huge hit." So this is a forty-one point six in an opening weekend, no less a summer weekend. It's gonna is drop. A shock. There's so many big movies coming out too yeah. in the next two three weeks. It's not gonna last. And I think with the, the negative all-around reception of the movie it's gonna drop off fast and apparently i hope this isn't a spoiler i haven't seen the movie yet um apparently it directly sets up for a third movie and i do i am starting to doubt that that is going to happen <laughs> might be one of those those hanger hanger endings i'm for... just super curious to see it though just because yeah. what's so what can be bad about this aliens blowing shit up like come on come on like it's like i mean we saw the movie gods of egypt which was a f- very flawed film but it's like Come on. The spectacle it of was stuff just fine. blowing up and... Special effects. Special I effects. think maybe part of it is with, with some of these movies, Gods of Egypt is like the perfect example. Movies like that and Independence Day, it's... I think if you're... If you, you just want to be entertained by your movies, I think that 41.6 million shows that. But I think there's so many of these spectacle action blockbuster movies that are coming out week after week every year for the last decade now that people are a little bit they have a little bit higher standards and if if a movie is just squeaking by with great special effects and doesn't have good dialogue or a good story or if it's not doing anything new i do think people are maybe a little bit more critical of that now i think so too and i actually was thinking about that and i i was gonna it actually got bumped down the obsessions list but um kind of that how many blockbusters have come out yeah. I feel like when we were kids, it was a lot more, it was like maybe what, four uh, a, a year. year? And now it's like two every other week. Yeah. 
And he's, I mean, $165 million budget. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, that was... We have seen so many flops this year alone that I think this model of these studios, Fox, Sony, Warner Brothers, Disney, releasing five or six blockbusters a year, I think that that is this is going to be a very short-lived trend. Because this Independence Day and, and Alice Through the Looking Glass, Warcraft, these are... Just in the last month, they've been released, and they're all bombs, at least here. I don't think it's going to... It's not a sustainable system for them to be cranking out movies like this that aren't making budgets back. Yeah. Disney is the only one that's done it. Their only flop this year has been Alice uh, Through the Looking Glass. Yeah. But they've had monster releases. Yeah, but... I mean... There's just almost too much now. Like, I would have loved to see X-Men Apocalypse, but I can only go to the movie so many times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can only go so many times. And I mean, I, I think I we you go to the movies more than I do, and I think we both go to the, the movies, what, two, three times the norm? Pro- probably. Something in that ballpark? At least once a week I try to go at least. At least. We have to for the show. We don't have to. We have to do shit for these people. <laughs> <laughs> no, just be like... We're kidding. Totally, we totally. Oh, yeah. Everyone that's listening, I'll give you a hug. So anyway, yeah. we should finish the box office. Yeah. And then we'll Number one, this week's film of the week, movie of the week, Finding Dory, uh, which grossed a total of $73.3 million, um, making major bucks. The budget was $200 million. They're at a total of $286 million. This movie's going to do just fine. Again, mm-hmm. kid films, like you said, it'll be in that top echelon for quite a while, too. Although, n- not this weekend, but the next week in The Secret Life of Pets is coming out. Oh, yeah. And it'll be interesting to see. Because, yeah, Finding Dory will be in the top five, at least until then. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't feel like that's going to perform as well as this. No, because this has more of that it's, yeah. link. You yeah, know? It's Pixar, and it's a sequel to a, well, a beloved film. Not to mention, you can make stuffed animals and toys around Finding Nemo. Secret Life of Pets doesn't have like just a have clearly a... identifiable character yet. I was gonna say, I'm, I'm sure there will be, but there it's hard be. to tell from the trailer. Yeah, but, but it's like a dog. Just go get a dog. Just go get a dog. I'll look at my dog and be like, yeah. You, you can't really life. snuggle a fish; it'll die. But you can <laughs> you can snuggle a stuffed a stuffed animal Nemo. Exactly. Precious. And don't precious snuggle moments. your dog too hard or it will probably suffer some health consequences. Yeah. Or your cat. Be safe. Yeah, be safe with your pets. Be be safe with your friend slaves. With your friend your slaves. Pet, your pet slaves. The people you've basically, what's that disorder called where you get taken hostage and then you like your hostages? Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. Pet, like all pets basically have Stockholm Syndrome. That's why they're so excited when you get home. It's like, I've been alone for eight hours. Of course I'm happy to see Oh, yes. <laughs> Hello. Hello, master. No, but. All right, so when we come back, we are going to review our album of the week, the Cloud Nothings album, Attack on Memory, 2012 release, so mm-hmm. a classic variety. Um, but when, And also in the break, too, you will hear music from that album uh, as well. So when we come back, album of the week, weekly notes, we'll be right back.
Neurosis, album of the week. We're back. We're back. Nate. Ethan. Yeah. <laughs> Take it away, dude. All right. So this uh, album of the week, fitting in with our memory theme, is the band Cloud Nothings and their 2012 album Attack on Memory. So a little background here. Cloud Nothings is an American rock band hailing from Cleveland, Ohio. They're typically described as a post-hardcore rock group popular in the indie rock, indie rock scene. Uh, this was the band's second studio album and was overall the third release from the group. They had initially released a set of EPs, uh, extended plays, which they released back to back. A little bit of notes on this particular album. It was, an en- it was engineered in Chicago by Steve Albini, who is sort of a, a name in the music industry that some people might recognize. Uh, this album showed a significantly heavier sound than the group's previous material, and groups like Black Sabbath and Thin Lizzy were cited as influences on the songwriting and recording processes for this here record. So what did you think about Cloud Nothing's Attack on Memory? I thought it was a pretty good album. Um, I think I, I really liked how this this album was mixed because it's not mixed in a traditional sense of, you know, vocals very up front, guitars, drums, all that good stuff in the background. It's kind of all one unison with the vocals a little bit elevated. Mm-hmm. So I really, really liked that. Um, and I was kind of surprised because it's very... I want to say it's obviously not, I mean, indie is kind of the generic term, but it's very unique, but it's still very approachable. Uh-huh. Like this move, this album could get digested by a lot of different people uh, that maybe don't like this kind of music, but mm-hmm. overall really solid. Yeah. Um, so I, I may be a little bit more mixed on it than you, because I, I heard this album when it first came out and it was pretty highly rated and everything when it first came out. And I, I kind of listened to it randomly and I, I, I like it. I think overall it's a cool album, but I actually kind of think the production is a little flat on it, to be honest. I think the whole album, it, it definitely has that sort of noise, that lo-fi thing where all the instruments bleed together. And then you have the vocals, which, like I said, this group is called quote-unquote post-hardcore. And I think the reason that the, that, that they, they say that genre, I'm not a professional in these things by any means, but uh, hardcore music is very like punk rock influenced it's very loud and punchy not a lot of melody but certainly that screaming vocals and i think they call this post hardcore because it has that sort of rough vocal screaming edge to it a little bit but it's mixed with a lot of melodies all the songs have pretty catchy melodies i think but um i just think for the most part there's like the this album starts out really strong but i think by the end even though it's only 33 minutes long short i just think the last like three songs on this i i don't know why i just kind of lose interest because i think the first couple songs opening song no future no past i mean it really sets the album up and the second song in here wasted days i think is like by far the best song on here yeah for for me at least yeah and it does i mean it declines a little bit but i mean i i kind of feel that the mixing i don't know that it was if it was under mix i feel that it was done intentionally sure because I think that they kind of wanted to do that, and mm-hmm. and that was kind of the that's kind of what they went for with the whole thing. But to me, oh gosh, I didn't write the name of the song down. But they kind of get away from that at one point as well, which kind of I think it's the song "Fall In." Yeah, kind of. I was like, "Fall well, In." What are you like? In. What are you really doing here? Like, I didn't. It sounds like a, like a song from the '90s that would have yeah, been on the radio. Yeah, but really, a really again, really roughly mixed. I guess I kind of. I felt it was a, a very sure. good album because it's a little bit more approachable than a lot of other 
things. And I honestly, I think the whole post hardcore post whatever, I think it's fucking stupid. I'm going to use the F well, word. It's just the, it's like, it's just, you're trying to link yourself to something. Well, cause well, yeah, by like well, a, a finger, I, but, like but, a finger but I think at, at that with the, at least if you're going to talk about the genre label on it, I think it does make sense with how the vocals are so scratchy and rough, but yeah, then yeah, you mix it with these melodic, and I get, I do get that a lot of people love how the album sounds and it's produced. I just, for me, I, I don't know. I felt like if maybe it was a little bit sharper, maybe I would have liked the last songs. Cause if I were to, if I listen to this album straight through, I'm really on board for the first like four songs. And then by the end, I'm just tuning out. Even if I'm sitting there listening, I'm tuning out. But if I were to put the last four songs in the album separately, I would probably really like them. I just think as a whole, even though it's really short, I just think maybe it's, for for me it's 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 muddy production just kind of it bores me a little bit yeah so maybe Hmm. small doses so i'm glad the album's so short because if it were any longer i i don't even know because some of these songs are so short another song i really like is i think it's stay useless which is an instrumental song yeah you had my two those are two i liked the one i disliked was separation okay because i just i didn't I didn't. I didn't like it. See, and I don't even remember the last couple songs. I couldn't even tell you how it went. But the first four on here, like even Fallen, like I said, it reminds me of something you would have heard on the radio in the '90s or something, uh, with its sort of sing-songy chorus and all that stuff. It's. I don't know. I think it's kind of a fun song, regardless. Well, they kind of have like that classic like 1950s band like elements with the very kind of simple drum lines. Yeah very melodic guitar riffs but the vocals are kind of what separates it and again then the production big time you know is, absolutely is nailed of, it there I think. yeah it's, it kind of had that feel to me but yeah well, i totally agree that the, the vocals are really the, the thing that sort of links it with with heavier genres of music yeah because yeah he's got that kind of scre- it's not a it's not like a metal scream or anything yeah. but it's sort of a screech he i would screams in part if i remember correctly parts yeah. but it's and then absolutely. whoever does the vocal up vocal backup vocals did i say that right yeah backup vocals yep. that took three tries but I, he just i thought that needed to go it might have been the same dude because if i if i'm looking at this right this group is really sort of the brainchild of uh, this guy dylan baldy yeah and he recorded as a solo artist i think I, remember he, correctly. I think he just double tracks his own vocals as background oh but because it, it sounds like the the group has gone through some lineup changes and it's really sort of his deal but uh, I think the dude's clearly talented. He's got uh, good writing chops and everything. I just think, there, I, I don't know, Just there's just something about this that just kind of leaves me a little cold. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. But, you know, overall, I mean, I, I guess I was just kind of surprised in terms of it being in that, we'll call it, I'll use the word post-hardcore. I'll just say it. There you go. Um, you did it. I did it. Across the bridge. But um, post hardcore metal I... flute <laughs> noise rock lo-fi <laughs> jazz symphonic pop. What's that called? Fusion. Fusion. Fus- Next thing you know, they're gonna be like, this is fusion Ch- music. Jazz fusion. They're but... just playing Miles Davis record. <laughs> <laughs> but um, overall, yeah, approachable. I'd say give it a listen, even yeah. if you're not into this. Kind well, because I think it. it shot. I think we've talked about the band uh japan japan droids in the past yeah i think this this band would sort of pair well with them they sort of have i mean it's super high energy music right and there's lots of melodies and pop elements and stuff and i i, I like the the heavier elements and all this what was the other band we talked about 
the catfish and the bottlemen that one yeah, yeah. They, they they all sort of i think they those bands all sort of fit together on this very you know very younger musicians very energetic while they're not necessarily rewriting the book on anything they're doing fun music and this this one is maybe a little bit more serious yeah maybe a little bit more heady but yeah because then it deals a lot more serious stuff mm-hmm. yeah but what would you rate this one to ten so i sort of i kind of went back and forth but i'm going to just give it a six out of ten because i think while i sit and listen to it i'm a little bit bored by the end of it i do think if i were to just pick any of the other the songs and the end of this album and listen to them i would be like that's pretty good mm-hmm. and the cut like the song what, what is it the second song wasted life that song is awesome to me like it's a great song and i think the opening song is fun i love the instrumental song it just makes me want to like jump around and push people and like shotgun a pbr or something <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's decent it's fun what would you give it I'd give it a 7.5. Okay. Because to me, the the positives of this album outweighed the negatives. The end of the album was moderate to bad in spots, but overall, I like this. I thought it was really approachable for a fast album, too. It's pretty, I think it's there's a lot of difficulty in making a quick album. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I liked it. Yeah. I'll listen to it again. Yeah, for sure. Well, and like I said, I heard this when it first came out, and it's remained in my collection, so... I guess I like it enough that, uh, yeah. Yeah. Music. Music. <laughs> so objective. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, somebody actually just recently asked me, like, well, why don't you, like, recommend some music for me to listen to? And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I get, like, anxiety when somebody asks me what kind of music well, do you like. Because we have roughly similar tastes. I'd be comfortable yeah. bouncing back music. And I've texted you a few times, like, what should I listen to right now? And But, like, people I don't. That I know pretty well, but I don't like. I don't have a real good, solid hammer down on what they like. I'm not gonna be like, "Oh, you should listen to Death Grips." Death Grips, right now. <laughs> no, but I always when people ask me what kind of music do you like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't it know depends. the answer to that question. Yeah. What do you have on your back? And they was like, "What do you have on your iPad or iPod?" I guess on your iPad. I could too. answer that. What do I have on my phone right now? What do you think is on my phone right now? Cloud Nothings is one. Yeah, I was going to say that's probably up there. Action Bronson, Agalock, Band of Horses, Fallujah, Flume, and Slaughter Prevail. <laughs> so I got some electronic music, some metal. Got Everything. Some, kind of a mesh. hip-hop. Yeah. Mesh and or mush. Mush. What? Mush is kind of like a combination of things. Oh, I was thinking like something you say to a dog that's in a race, like mush. Mush. Yeah. And then you... <laughs> And then you whip them. Oh, oh I'm sad. <laughs> we had Michael Vick on that episode. Oh, oh too soon. No, but on to our um, high-priority news items. There were changes in the Grammy award ceremony, which are pretty big. And I think we'll, we'll chit-chat on this. But the National Academy of Recording Arts and Science, who, if you didn't know, they host the Grammys and present them every year, uh, made some major changes to the rules. Five changes in total, uh, some housekeeping and some other ones. But... Uh, the housekeeping, we'll just go over these because these varieties deserve their, their time in the sun. Uh, the best blues album, we'll split into two categories, best traditional blues album and best contemporary blues album. And then the other one, best rap slash sung performance will take the place of best rap sung collaboration. Hmm. But onto the bigger news, uh, members will now be able, um, will be able to vote in 15 categories plus four general field categories. The previous number was 20, so you can't just kind of spread your, your votes around. 
And the big one was that streaming only recordings will now be eligible for the first time. And mm-hmm. the big one, of course, that was getting pictures everywhere was Chance the Rapper mm-hmm. um, with his recent release. I think a lot of people are expecting him to, be, to get a best album nomination because of Coloring Book. Yeah. Some people are saying it's because of Kanye West, but his album, Life of Pablo, was not stream only because you could indeed purchase the digital version of it. But Coloring Book, stream only. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. And then um, the Best New Artist Contenders will no longer be required to release a full album. Uh, Instead, they must release five singles or tracks. I think that makes sense, too, especially now a lot of the... You see it a lot in hip-hop and electronic music, especially where a new artist will release... A short EP or even within hip-hop a single can make or break you mm-hmm. so I think that's kind of a cool idea but I still have some gray area about the whole best new artist thing like how do they determine that because I've seen people nominated in for that who have been around forever so I just don't I still don't understand how they determine that yeah or how Megan Trainer beats Courtney Barnett yeah don't talk about that <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, I got I get into massive arguments with people about Megan Trainer because she can Whoa. just leave. She's not hurting anybody. No, that's true. She's not. No, I don't care for her much. But yeah, I I don't know. I think it's so. Yeah, I think these... I, I just it's it's new. I think they're trying to appease the masses, and obviously, streaming music is going to get bigger. It had and to bigger happen. Bigger. It had to happen. Yeah, because it's so common now. Yeah. I mean, it's great, and I think that it, maybe not with how the platforms are set, are organized right now, but that opens the door even wider to people who can only spend the money to release something digitally. I mean, it costs money to release a CD or even more to to especially mass produce a record, a vinyl record. So I think that's cool that somebody like Chance the Rapper, who is not signed to a label, can record his album and put it out streaming only. And you got to imagine that's cheaper than printing out 10,000 records and CDs and and all that yeah. yeah and I mean most of the streaming stuff Apple will market it themselves for Apple music and so, other ones yeah. do their own thing but pretty pretty big deal yeah I think it's cool it's a sign of the times we're sign changing of the times and the other one not that big of a deal but you'll be able to listen to Pandora the next time you take an uber Really? They, it's actually through the app. Uh, the drivers can access Pandora. Um, and supposedly the idea is that you could say, hey, can you play such and such a song? Oh, that's a cool idea. And they'll play, be able to play a so song So the for Uber you. driver basically gets free access to it. And if they have the means, oh, that's cool. No, it's it's they paid, Uber, Uber pays them a premium. So the drivers don't pay for right. it. Right, right. I'm sure they get when you... Become, when you get hired by Uber and you go through that, I'm sure you get like a login or something, a yeah. special login with your employee ID or however Uber does it. Yeah. Well, mine, for me, it's the, the fingerprint and then I sign in. For Uber? Yeah. I've never used Uber. It's so. honestly, it's a guy. I just sit at my home all day and watch Game of Thrones alone. Alone. No, that's not in true. my home. Sometimes, no. sometimes April is in the house too. But it's it's a great it's a great service. I fully support it. I think if you're against Uber, you've never you ever, probably probably own a taxi company. That's that's <laughs> it. Or you've never ever been in the circumstance where you're too drunk to drive home. How could you be against Uber? I think it saves. Honestly, it sounds stupid, but I think it saves lives. Well, no, no kidding. Like, how many drunkies can be like, and then an Uber comes to get them? Because what I said there was, oh, I could get an Uber if I was real drunk. 
Yeah. But instead, they just hit the little button on their phone and the guy comes and picks you up. Yeah. And it's a super big convenience. Like I, when I was just on my my trip, I had to get to a grocery store. There was a 35-minute walk, not feasible with groceries. And it was a $6 Uber. I just... Yeah, I just looked at the. Say? It's. A, I just looked at the cap from the beer we had on our last episode, Red Hook, and it says Seattle born. Seattle born so and I raised. Just, I just derailed this whole conversation. <laughs> Sorry. That's no, good. Anyways, what are you obsessed about, Ethan? Uh, okay, well, I Game of Thrones, right? Because we've talked about it. I'm into it. I dig it. I've seen all of it up until season six. I'm rewatching it, um, and I've been rewatching it like like a crazy person because I, I will be completely honest the first time I watched through Game of Thrones I sort of had this highfalutin like ugh, the show is so popular everyone thinks it's so cool it's just okay whatever I'll watch it though and I'm watching it again and I'm like no this is the best and I'm obsessed with it and I'm like watching the episode and then watching all the special features on the blu-rays and learning all the backstory and rereading the synopsis so I know what's going on and researching characters because it's kind of easy to forget like wait who's this dude who's that lady so I've been real into it. I'm almost done rewatching season four. Um, but my goal is to be able to watch all the way up to the most current episode. So the season six finale we were talking about earlier in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to watch all of it. So season seven, instead of me being pissed off because I'm spoiled, I'm going to just avoid Facebook or Twitter for the day until Monday night when I can watch it at home. Because it's awesome. It's the best. Yeah. It's, I would say right now, it's like, if you were to ask me even three months ago, I would have said, yeah, it's not even in like my top 20 shows, but it would be like, excuse me, like my number three right now, probably. It's, I, I've, that's the only time I've ever, and I'll just say this with the last second to last episode, I got so pumped up about what was happening that I was like, threw your shoe out a window. Well, no, I was like flailing my arms around (laughs) and then I was like, just going nuts. I was like. A crazy person. I was screaming at the TV like I would a football game. That's amazing. That's like all that reminds me of back when I was in high school. I used to be in cross country, right? And we had, uh, before each of our meets, we had a spaghetti dinner where the whole team, it was always at a certain person's house and they would, you know, people would supply this food, that food, whatever. And one, <laughs> we had it at our house before the night before one meet. And, you know, me and my brother were always real nerdy and awesome. So we, Watch, started watching Return of the King and a bunch of people left because they're like Ooh, nerdy stuff but a bunch of people because it was Lord of the Rings it was a lot newer at the time I, m- <laughs> I remember we were watching the final battle of Lord of the Rings Return of the King and one of like the varsity like one of the top runners on the team was like standing up on our couch going like yeah yeah <laughs> I was that guy no you much. no you weren't I was like yeah it was amazing that's I just had to I just pictured you on your couch in your living room like going yeah just frantically like pulling your hair out and flailing your arms around and Amanda Amanda was, looking at you like Jesus no that's what she said she's like you were utterly ridiculous like I can't remember what I was screaming like get some meat or something like, some <laughs> stupid thing I was like something i can't remember what it was but it was really dumb dude the last thing that got me pumped up like that was the movie centurion have you ever seen that with no. michael fassbender when it's funny because actually one of the oh no i have i was that's uh really good drunks so i was really yeah. drunk when i saw it. i was a little drunk when i saw it too and i was like okay th- and it's funny because the guy who directed centurion directs a whole bunch of game of thrones now so it has like a similar vibe <sighs> to it but there's a fight scene 
near the end of Centurion that I was like sitting in my living room and during the fight I was on my feet going like yeah yeah and I was all alone and it was unbelievable but I think that was the last time I got like that jacked up about just a, a fight scene or something yeah the last two uh episodes are just amazing so, gotta see him if you haven't well i'm, I'm gonna, gonna catch up fast not gonna spoil and then we can talk you. then we can talk we can so let's see up. what are you obsessed with well right now the european championships oh, this is like the third one in a row they're they're i heard iceland on. upset england yeah and that's awesome i was listening to npr that is awesome that is a huge deal iceland amazing story my other obsession is a little tv show on showtime called roadies Mm, I heard about I it. I watched the first two episodes. I'm hooked, so I'm gonna watch that. But it's like the life of a traveling roadie and kind of what they go through. And I've kind of been looking into like, isn't like Cameron Crowe one of the main dudes? Uh, the guy who did like Almost Famous, isn't he like a writer or something? Yeah. Okay. And they have like, um, oh god, one of the Brad Pitt. No, Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson. Oh. Brad Luke Wilson Pitt. and yeah, a couple other good actors. But it's it's a I think it's a pretty solid show. It's kind of interesting. Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> but no, I like it. It's a That's fun, cool. Yeah, fun, I saw cool that. Show. I heard some people saying it was solid and I want to watch it now. Yeah, it's kinda of got the music. But again, when I'm done with it. when I'm done with Game of Thrones, I'm gonna continue my Mad Men rewatch because that's also one of my favorites. I might I wanna actually I wanna get through Mad Men. So I might You never borrow, finished it? I'm gonna start. I would like to start from the beginning. So when you finish season one, I'll watch season one. Well, I'm on season three because I watched season so one. Can I borrow your season one then? It's on Netflix, but if you must. Okay. Oh God, I like I like putting discs in and out. Okay, no, I'm the same it's way. Like That's a... why I spend money on Blu-rays. But um, no, I I was rewatching it, but then everybody was wouldn't stop talking about Game of Thrones, so I was like, ah, oh, dang it, I need to rewatch that too. So I and it's short. They're shorter seasons than Mad Men, so I I I've watched the first two seasons of Mad Men, and. Yeah, when I'm done with season six of Game of Thrones, I'll re. re so you have time to catch up. I got some time, yeah. Yeah, you can borrow my my my, my blues. My blues, homie. Ah, <laughs> uh, but no, another awesome episode. Memory. Oh, good one. Next one. week we're gonna be reviewing the movie The Purge. Yeah, election year. Election year. Is it election year or day? Election year. I think it's year. Yeah. Which I like the Purge series, so hopefully Dude, this I'm, one's getting pretty good reviews for. I'm uh, a fan. I like the second one especially. Yeah. Because I think people were disappointed by the first Purge movie because they were expecting what the second movie was. Yeah, I <laughs> Which, think I agree. Because the first movie was like one family in their story, but the second one was on the streets trying to survive during the middle of this. And this new one just looks like all of that coming together. Yeah. It's insane. The whole concept is insane. It's Again. great. So we'll have that next week. Purge election year. Album. Not sure what the theme. Album TBD. Beer TBD. TBD. <laughs> TBD. Oh, well, look at this. The Purge election year already has a critic consensus on Rotten Tomatoes. So. Of. Oh, yeah. I'm not gonna read it. Oh. Any of our uh, any of our listeners can go ahead and Google that. Yeah, Google it. All and right. Then you can see if we agree with them or not. Yeah. So weekly neurosis memory. Once again, I'm Nate. I'm Ethan. And everyone, please take care. And a happy 4th of July to everyone. Yes, safe. Safe. Be safe. Be safe. Have a safe holiday weekend.